Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. How many times have you dreaded going into work knowing that you have a certain procedure in your books or gone home wondering if what you did was the right thing? No doubt most, if not all of us, have felt this and I'm sure we would love to keep this to a minimum. Hey guys, this is Graham and welcome back to this week's What I Wish I Knew episode by Dental Head Start. I speak with James this week and we talk about practicing safe and defensive dentistry and what this means in your daily practice. Everyone is happy when you're having fun and doing the dentistry you enjoy doing. Predictability while you're practicing reduces your headache so you can go to work more relaxed and you can go home without having to think about if you did the right or wrong thing during the day. James talks about what makes him comfortable and get the most out of his day. I hope that you can implement some of the points James makes throughout our chat. And if you like this episode, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook and Instagram page. Thanks. You know, a few weeks ago, I saw someone and she needed a tooth removed this was just a quick consult and, uh, you know, she needed a upper molar removed, which was fine. And we, we rebooked it the, in the following day where I had more time. And then she came in and then, uh, and then we, we discussed risks, you know, you know, I could fracture the root. It could go into the sinus. You could develop an OAC, blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, why didn't you tell me this yesterday during the consult? And I said, well, that's just a Queen's consult. We were just going to do the extraction today. We wouldn't go over the, the uh, risks on the, on to, you know, the next day, um, which is what I, I usually do. And then she said, oh, I would prefer, and I gave the option, you know, if you're not comfortable, I'm, you're always happy to see, I'm always happy to refer you to see a specialist. And she said, I'd rather see a specialist because I don't want to take that risk of OAC and maybe not having to work or, or whatever, developing an infection. And then she said to me, I really wish you told me before, you know, I'm a little bit upset. Right. And then it just, even though I, t- I, I gave the risks and everything, it's just that timing, right? Maybe I, I sh- uh, now, but now, nowadays, now I, I tell them on the spot, okay, this is the risk, there's a risk, right? Uh, maybe you are already doing that, but for me, I wasn't doing that because it was a it was a two separate appointment. It was just a quick look. Okay, your tooth's infected. Blah blah. We'll put you in for uh, extraction. See you later. Talk risks later. But now, okay, I'm talking risks now. Okay, I'm setting more time because if I went ahead and pulled it out and then told the risks afterwards, obviously she'd be really unhappy, uh, and then I'd be in big trouble. Um, that's that's probably the most one of the more recent examples of almost getting in trouble and not really in trouble but got to be careful about these things right I, I, a older old example maybe four years ago this was at a previous clinic this patient broke a front tooth I upper central I uh, we had a talk I said oh you know this is this is I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I thought, okay, I was still, was talking to the patient. I thought, and I said to the patient, yeah, it's fine. You, you need a root canal, you need a post, and you need a crown. Yeah, fair enough. And I went ahead and did it, uh, but I didn't do the proper workup for this tooth. 
this tooth didn't have enough ferrule. What happened was we did all that and then the tooth broke like a week later in half, unrestorable. Uh, in the first place, and this tooth never had enough ferrule in the first place. And it, it was something I should never have done. And because I didn't know much about ferrule, you know, I wasn't the best uni student. I barely scraped for university. I got in big trouble. I got in big trouble with up, higher up so much so that I was let go of, the, of my job back then. And that was also, a, I guess, part of motivator to get my clinical skills into shape in, in terms of uh, prosthodontics and, 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 gen, and dentistry in general because I'd even warn the patient, oh, this root canal might fail or this, this crown might break, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't last it doesn't last forever, right? I was just saying, oh yeah, we'll fix you. You'll be, you'll be able to smile again. You'll be fine. That was that was me. And, you know, okay, uh, the patient was very nice. He didn't com- put a complaint against me, but he had every right to, to put a complaint against me. And I'd be in big trouble. I've got nothing to stand on. I'm always, always thinking about that moment. And I think, you know, you, I've always got to do right by my patients. Give them all the risks. I tell them the risks. I tell them the feelings aren't going to, f- last forever the crowns aren't gonna last forever your root canal's gonna last forever and lot of patients go i didn't know that i didn't know that feelings don't last forever i thought it was just a one-off thing you know you don't realize till you start explaining these things over and over most people understand but there are a handful that go oh i didn't know that it's not a forever thing and and sometimes you lose patience because they don't want to do higher end treatment because you tell them it's not gonna last forever like they don't want to do the root canal they don't do the crown you end up doing extraction so be it. Um, uh, but at least you're given them informed consent. And that's really important um, in, in in terms of uh, defensive dentistry, I suppose, making sure that whatever you've done during the day, you can go to sleep at night and be happy that you've done the best you can and you're not going to get in too much trouble with patients or potential patients with complaints. Mm. Dan James, I really appreciate you sharing your experiences. It means a lot because I know that a lot of other people can benefit from hearing these things and realize that as much as you want to improve someone's smile or improve someone's self-confidence, it's not always as straightforward as we may think. And it's experiences like that that shape us and make us and want to make us a better clinician. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, not every case is straightforward. And you just got to know what to look out for. You know, if you know what to look out for and you tell the patient, as you really, I, I really love trying to scare the patients. I scare them as much as I can. If they're still keen, fine, we'll do the treatment. And if they're not crazy, they're not, <laughs> they don't have uh, body dysmorphia, you know, things like that. They're not on like antidepressants, as Lincoln Harold would say. You know, he, he's always wary of people who want antidepressants because they've got self-confidence issues. So it's, you've got to be, uh, or, or, you know, the patients who have seen 10 dentists beforehand, you know, you always got to be wary. We had, uh, I'm going back to uh, the student clinics. We were, I was supervising a student and we had a patient going, oh, uh, I don't want to pull out this tooth because, you know, it hurts so much and I'm really having the dentist. So we didn't pull it out. We just said, oh, look, we'll keep an eye on it, but you're going to come back in pain. A week later, she came back in pain and goes, I hate you guys. You didn't tell me I was going to be in pain. So, but it was all written down and she signed everything, blah, blah, blah. So it's important that 
you have these notes written down as well and, and they're really bulletproof with your note with your notes um because that's also part of making sure that you are well equipped against lawyers uh you could say yes BOQ specialists have worked closely with dental professionals for over 30 years and they understand the unique challenges that you, as a dental student or graduate, will face at the beginning of your career. I know they helped me early on as a dental student and they can help you too as they offer a private banking experience and tailor their products for dental professionals. I can say they have great customer service. I've lost my password that many times and they've always been able to help me. Nothing like the experiences I've had with competitors. So if it sounds like they can help you too, get in touch with them for a chat. For more information, visit boqspecialist.com.au slash students or check out the show notes for more details. TNC's fees and lending criteria apply. See boqspecialist.com.au for more details. With every procedure you do, do you typically tell patients that there's some risk involved? With... My common thing that I say is I, I give them the longevity of how, how long a filling would last or a crown would last. Uh, in terms of risk, I'll usually say there's a bit of sensitivity, a bit of soreness, just the typical things. In the earlier days, I would usually, with my crown press, I would usually say you know, there's a chance you might get root canal. These days, if I know it's a heavier prep, I will be more inclined to say that you might get infected uh, root canal if I have to do a heavy prep if it's like a vertical prep I really don't really have any issues at the moment if I do an onlay prep uh, or if it's I know it's close to the pulp horns I will, I will give that risk uh, I probably should say it more often but I really haven't really had any issues with root canal uh, or sorry like tooth infections after a crown recently so I've stopped really saying that but in your early days I suppose or I mean it's good practice anyway Maybe I shouldn't be saying that. I don't say it, but I, that's what I do in real life. I don't really say that particular thing. Extractions, irreversible operations, I'll give us all the risks because, you know, you're pulling your tooth out um, and we have written consent and they sign that consent. Orthodontics, implants, risks, all explained, signed. We're given the consent form to take home. They can read it in their own time so they don't feel like they're rushed in the office reading the consent there while you're staring at them while you're staring at them please like please hurry up tiktok uh so they don't come back going oh the, you know i don't know what the dentist said he just made me sign the form i was felt rushed blah 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 and you know they had the form take home it's fine i know some of the dentists they are for the more higher end plans they will do a video consent or even a uh, like a audio consent and they'll say to the patient this is a recording do you consent blah 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 or, and then, or after treatment, do you are you happy with the treatment? Blah 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 blah, blah. And, and 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 that's that's you know, uh, you can't beat that if they come back and complain, right? Uh, or if you do cosmetic work, you take a video, and you, and and you ask them, are you happy? Uh, is there anything you're worried about? Blah blah, blah. and they'll say, yeah, oh, I'm aware that the teeth might break. I'm aware I've got to maintain it, you know. And if it breaks later, and they haven't maintained it, you just show that video. And, and, well, told you so, you know, this is what you know, you were aware. So I really make sure the patient is aware and they repeat back to me that they understand the risks. And then, especially for the bigger jobs, then, I'll, then I'm happy to go ahead. 
to do that. How do you go about doing doing dentistry that keeps you out of trouble? Keeps me out of trouble. You know, how how do I do dentistry that keeps me happy? You know, how do I walk into the day, look at the books and go, oh, my God, I'm going to hate this day? Um, uh, I suppose it really comes, uh, sorry to say, but it comes a little bit with experience as well. You know, when you're a new grad, you don't know what you like and you don't know what you don't like. Uh, when I first started out, I, lo- I loved seeing kids. I loved them. I love seeing them and doing all that kind of stuff. And now I hate seeing kids because uh, even though you're helping them, it's a big energy drain for me because they're so hyperactive and you've got to keep up to those levels. And then by the end of that half-hour appointment, you've done a little polish and you're drained. And that's not me. <laughs> I need energy to go home and, and be with my family, you know. Um Sometimes I still got to see kids. It's not a problem. I can see it every now and then, but I couldn't see a bunch of kids all the time, you know. The other thing I, I, I've started not doing is dentures. I love referring dentures out. It just makes me very happy because I am frankly terrible at dentures no matter how hard I try, no matter how, how many times I take a secondary impression with that zinc oxide smell of eugenol, shoving it down their patient's throat and they're coughing and gagging. Uh, and then you realize, oh, it's, it's a bad impression. I'm going to do it again. Or, you know, no, even with digital, I still got, I still got to take a secondary impression, right? Not for me. Since I've been setting it off, my life's been happier. But I know that later in my implant journey, I will have to revisit dentures again because some people want over dentures or whatever. It's not a problem, right? Well, you know, I'll be more motivated to go back there if I have to do it. Uh, the other thing I've started referring out is molar endo, upper molar endo. And I never thought I would because in my first few years, I was doing heaps of endo in rural. Uh, out in rural, the closest endodontist was about four hours away. So I was doing a lot of these upper, lower molar endos and um, I really enjoyed it. And uh, But now coming to the city, the option to send to the endodontist is just so much easier. You know, they're all doing it one stage, start to finish. The patient experience is easier. I can't do a one stage molar root canal in like an hour. I'm not that skilled. I didn't have a microscope, you know. I didn't have the high-end uh, high-flex files or whatever they use for the bent curves, you know. I spent an hour trying to locate the canals and then – and. <laughs> please come back two more times, you know, uh, and I'm stressing out, bending my back to do this upper, finding MB2, MB3, whatever it is. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I can do it. You know, if the patient's really like budget stricken, yeah, and, and, uh, and I like the patient, yeah, I'll do it, you know, as a favor. And if I enjoy it, I'll do it. But really, I'll do it. It's just not me. Uh, or I'll send to, a, to one of the other clinicians who likes doing endo. I'll do that as well. Not a problem. So like doing a lot of that. So that's my, that's the first part of making my day happy. Like sending out the stuff I don't want to do. Doing more things again under rubber dam is the other thing that has made my restorative slash crown prepping more enjoyable. You know, it adds a little bit more time. (laughs) 
How annoying is it to put a rubber dam on? It's so annoying. It really is. You won't be surprised. I did the Sahil Sony rubber dam course as well. And that, he gave me some good tips there. Uh, I've gone through the Colin Pap on the rubber dam course. That's really nice too. And it's about having a deer who's on board, you know, and it, once you, you and your deer have a good system and they know you want to use your rubber dam all the time, then I'll have it out instead of you calling your DA going, get the rubber dam out. And then they can run to the other room and fetch the rubber dam and they're missing the clamp that they want or they're missing the, the, you know, the rubber dam clamp holder. And then if it's all set out, ready to go, five minutes tops, I suppose, you can get it in. Maybe a bit longer if it's a bit tricky to get the clamp on. But once the clamp's on, okay, it adds a bit more time. The patient loves it. They really do. Most of the time, they love it. The gaggers love it. I love it. Um, the day, the day, sometimes the day, my DA doesn't appreciate it because, like, before the rubber day, they're stretching, they're fighting the tongue, they're suctioning, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then nowadays, they're going, oh, it's so boring doing crown preps because you put rubber down and I'm just putting my suction there and sucking all the water out. It's so boring. But, you know, it's less stress, right? It's less stress. Less stress for everybody. Uh, also, I'll do the majority of the prep on the rubber dam and then I'll take the dam off and if I have to refine it, yeah, what's what's another five, ten minutes uh, with that rubber dam? It's it's bearable. It's enough. And, and um, that's really helps with my stress levels. And I said, I guess going back to time, adding, you know, a rubber dam adds time. I've also, with my feelings, I've added a little, a little bit more time to my appointments if I know it's going to be a bit longer um it just gives me that uh buffer to be able to do things and not stress i can take my time i can take things a bit more slow i'm not missing any steps i'm doing it i'm doing every step with purpose i'm I'm thinking about the next step so i know what to do and not mess it up uh instead of running late and going oh my god i could do this or this i might miss a step and then you know, I'm in trouble. Uh, other things, I suppose, you don't have to treat every patient that comes in right away. Like some some practice will say, okay, a pa- uh, you know, a patient comes in, emergency patient, you've got to treat whatever it is. But sometimes they'll come in a bit of pain. Maybe it's just some very light sensitivity, but they need a lot of work uh, or they're a bit nervous. It's fine to say it's okay. Or, you know, suss it out if they need treatment, if they really want treatment that day or can they wait. If they say, yeah, if you're rushed on time or you know um, of the patient's nervous, this is special circumstances. You know, if they're a bit nervous, they say, oh, look, it's, you know, today was just a chat. We're making sure you're okay. You're happy here. Let's get you back for a clean or let's get back for a simple filling and see how you go uh, and, and book a longer time. Make sure they're happy. You know, I've got some patients, you know, some patients I'll book an hour for a for a simple filling because I know they're nervous. They need they need like 10 minutes to, to sit in the chair and, and breathe before they'll let me give LA, right? But that's fine. I'm happy to do that for them. They appreciate it. And and uh, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you, if that so if that's not your style, then send to another dentist. It's, it's not a problem. I guess the other thing is planning your day. I guess this is something that most people do already, but or if you don't know, then I, I like to to have my major appointments in the morning. So crown preps, root canals, veneer preps, all in the morning, fresh mind, patients fresh. 
And in the afternoon, consults, chat, 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 uh, maybe an insert, just real chill, just real chill vibes, you know, because by the end of the day, you're a bit tired, you know, and, and, and it's nothing happier than putting a crown in in any of the day or putting veneers into the day and patients happy and you're happy get some photos for your social media account whatever you want you know or some visit like i like doing invisalign end of the day because it's just a check having a look gives the girls a bit of time in the background i don't need the dip girls uh to help me out they can just clean up and shut clean the rooms shut down the practice uh and by the time i'm done end of the day everyone's happy ready to go home you know everyone's happier that that way yeah, and, and culture's a big thing too, you know. Like, uh, you need a happy team. It's very hard if you're working in a toxic environment, but that's a different situation altogether. If you're in a toxic environment and you're the only one who's trying to change, it's not going to work. Just find out the practice. Ripe Global is an incredible resource, especially in these times where travel is a little bit difficult, but we're also realizing it's not always necessary for our education. Especially when we're starting our career, we just want to get as much as we can. And a platform like Ripe Global's membership is perfect for that. But Ripe Global is a lot more than that. They've got the fellowship in restorative dentistry. And while it's already started with the posterior dentistry course, they've just released the anterior dentistry course, one where you're going to learn about composites, aesthetics, isolation, and indirect work as well. One of the hardest things to do in dentistry is a single front tooth. And this course is aimed at helping you improve that skill. Find out more at ripeglobal.com or check out the show notes and you can get 30% off a membership all from the comfort of your own home. James, would you say it's important to have a strong referral network in order to do work that you're happy doing and referring out things that you might prefer not to? I would say yes. It's good to have the referral network. Um, I mean... <laughs> You need a referral network, right? Unless you're like that super dentist who can do everything, every complicated thing under the sun. Yeah, sure. Or, or if your boss or your manager says, keep it everything in-house, okay, you have no choice but to do it in-house or refer in-house. But it's always good to have that referral network because you can always send a case out and then and if they're a good referring specialist, they'll give you a nice detailed report about what they see what they recommend to the patient. There are some people who you refer to and they just send you a generic report and it's like, oh, okay, well, that's nice, but I would really like some more feedback on how you thought the case was and how it went and what you think, how it's going to go. Uh, some of the more younger specialists I, I feel who I've been referring to give more feedback on that. Like when I send a root canal out, they'll, they'll give more details. They'll actually tell the patient, go back and, and do a crown. You know, whereas some other specialists say, you're done, you know, or they'll, 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 they'll send a report back to say, uh, with the newer ones, they'll say, come back and, and see James, but I don't think you need a crown because they've done a ninja access and I would agree with them, you know? Um, so I really like that feedback from the, that kind of level of detail or feedback when, when I'm looking for a specialist to send to. Uh, specialists who do a lot of teaching uh, on the side, they're, they're pretty good too because, you know, they like to help. You can tell that those people are like to help and those are the people you can reach out to if you want to observe them. You know, if you send a patient towards their way, 
you can ask them, oh, you know, I've been sending a few patients. Can I come in and observe? Uh, and I would be surprised if they said no. I'd be very surprised if they say no. I'm, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to for you to have a look and see how they work. And so when you go back to where you're working on, on you know, the next day, at least you can explain to your patients, you know, uh, I'd rather you send you to this guy because he, this guy or this girl because they, they have this and this and they're pretty nice and the team's nice and uh, it would be the best in your interest uh, to be able to do that. You were saying that you work remotely as well in Queensland. Um, for anyone else who's more working more like rurally, who doesn't necessarily have access to specialists, um, would you have any advice surrounding maybe the inability to refer things or having the pressure to do things? Yeah, hopefully that your whoever you're working with can help you out. Uh, but obviously, if you're doing a lot of procedures yourself, I would say root canal, I suppose, or, or seeing kids or, or, or dentures even if you're remote, uh, you have to take CPD or really get into knowing as much as you can, doing those hands-ons, doing those practicals, even getting teeth and practicing on it, even though it has boring as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> who, who likes melting teeth on a plaster model? And Julia, no one does, and smelling that tooth. Uh, smell um, but you know you, you know if you gotta do it you gotta do it I, I'm more of a I like to take a little break and go and do the CPT and, and then ask the specialist the questions when I first did my first root canal course with ADA New South Wales it, I, I I asked I asked the guy I can't remember I think Dr. Mark Livingston knows, I can't remember his name I asked him does it really matter what system you use uh, after you get glide path? I was I really was curious about this one. He said, "No, it doesn't really matter. It's only got glide path. You can use whatever system you want, right? It, they're just paid by the companies to to promote that system. So that really helped me. For me, that was worth the price of admission going to the course and be able to find that out rather than going through articles and and brochures going which system's the best. When in reality, it's like there's no real best system. Of course, there are some systems that are better than others, but out of the, those top tier systems, it doesn't matter, right? You just pick whatever and, and you know, get a nice glide path and, you know, use your BCC at the end and do your um, ultrasonic, whatever it is, wavy, wavy, uh, you know. As long as you get the basic fundamentals, you should be you should be all right. You know, surgical things, that's a bit harder. You know, you really want someone there standing behind you for your whizzies, you know, uh, otherwise you're going to have to take a course. Uh, you know, there's, there's a few, I don't know about Australia, but if it's, I know there's ARIA, but I don't know. And that's, that's still a new one, right? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Uh, but the one I did was one in India. Uh, we did some surgical uh, eights um, and you had the, and that was in Chennai and that was uh, ADAI or something. Um, but it was with, um, Dr. Johan Thomas is his name. He's a prosthodontist, but he's not the one supervising you. <laughs> he's, he's not the one supervising you. He, he, he just organizes it. So we uh, we went to India and we were all paired up with an oral surgeon resident there. So they're your assistant while you are uh, doing the extraction. And if you get in trouble, they'll just take over and do the rest. No big, no big deal. 
but that was all with straight hand faces, not with the reverse, you know, the uh, the turbine one. So it was a bit more harder. But at least it got me doing basic exos. Uh, I don't do the complex ones, but I'm happy to do like simple whizzies. Uh, or at least in that course as a beginner, it, it got me more confident to learn how to raise a flap. Because before that, I had no idea how to raise a flap well and efficiently. Uh, so even though I didn't learn how to master whizzies, I know how to raise a flap. And that ties into implantology where, okay, I know how, how to raise a flap uh, better these days. So you can always learn something from a CPD if you're remote. You just have to be prepared to fly to the capital cities because that's where the big courses are. So consolidating knowledge and really trying to get a grasp of everything that's out there. Yeah, yeah. You can always, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can always see specialists, but I just realized if you're remote, you're you're in trouble. Yeah, you'd have to travel, yeah. Um, you know, in the ACDB course, in the implants one, um, got a few people from Darwin, you know, because there's not many uh, people uh, out there they can look up to, so they just come to Sydney. So it's interesting. So there are people out there doing that there's no there's no shame just got to save up money and 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 work the rest of your life james really appreciate your time thanks so much for all the info thanks anytime you're welcome thank you so much for listening to the dental head start podcast i genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.